fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Let's do it again. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Now, there's three things we learned about this verse last Sunday, and we're going to keep kind of rehearsing these things. And if you haven't figured me out uh, uh, by now, let me just kind of help you. Uh, I'll give you, when we start series and things, I'll give you a verse, and I'll just hammer it. I'll just keep it going over and over to where when you come to the close of this series, even if you're not trying to, you get this verse down in your spirit. Uh, You know, if you don't swallow it, I'll just kind of force feed you a little bit. Uh, And so I'm I'm doing that with this passage of Scripture, and we, we learn three things about this verse, and that is, number one, we have been libera- liberated. Somebody say amen. Everyone who thanks God for the liberty we have in Christ, uh, just raise your right hand and go, hallelujah. Amen. Thank God for the liberty we have in Christ. That's the first thing we learn from this verse of Scripture. But the second thing we learn is you can be entangled again. It's possible to lose your liberty not only politically, but spiritually. And so Paul was warning the church there in Galatia uh, that had begun to do that exact thing. He, in fact, he said, oh, foolish Galatians. How do you think you start in the spirit and you end up in the flesh? And so the warning is here, and this is his challenge to this church and the challenge to anyone who, who has experienced liberty in Christ Hey, wake up. If we're not careful, we can lose our liberty. We can be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And then the third thing we learn from this verse of Scripture, therefore we must take a stand. Thus, stand fast. Look at, look at three people. Look them right in the, eye, in the white of their eyes and, and, and say, we got to stand fast. Tell somebody, we got to stand fast. It's time we take our stand. We've got to stand fast. And so that's the theme for this month. Now, last Sunday, we talked about standing fast in the Spirit. Ooh, the Spirit of God. And I wish I could go back and re-preach that message. I can't. You can get it on iTunes or on our website at cotrnorth.com. I would encourage you to do that because these elements that I'm going to be sharing with you are integral, important, vital areas where if we're going to maintain and even move to greater levels of liberty and not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage, these are areas where we've got to really take a stand. We've got to take a stand in the Spirit. This morning, we're going to talk about taking a stand in the Word of God. I hope you have your Bible or, your, or the Bible on your iPhone. You know, some of our older folks, you get all nervous when the, when the young guys get up, they start reading the Bible from their phone. You, you're not supposed to have your phone on in church. Well, to them, it's their Bible. So just, you know, get a life or something. That's, that's the way this new culture is. And so we've got to take a stand in the Word of God. Now, next Sunday, should Jesus tarry, uh, we're going to talk about taking a stand stand at the place of prayer. That's next week. And then we're going to talk about taking a stand at the place of praise. These are all things that help move us to a greater level of liberty in our life. And then the last Sunday of the month, uh, I'm not quite settled on, so I won't give that title just yet. I've got a couple of thoughts, but we're talking about taking a stand. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Now, this morning, as we talk about the Word of God, here's another key verse for us that really reveals the fact that the Word of God brings great liberty. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Hopefully, you've read it before 
or if not, this ought to really set your feet to dancing because Jesus gave us some great promise. And he said this, here it is, I'll read this for you. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. Now, let me pause and just, hey, there's some Jews who got saved, amen. They started believing in Jesus and this is what he tells them. Because they got saved and they began to believe in Christ and they got born again, he said, if you continue in my what? Somebody say, in the word. If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will do what? Come on now, I'm getting happy already. You see, this ought to make, I can't dance, but you know, I look like a little, one of them little fuzzy bears dancing, you know, that you wind up. That's about as good as I can do. That's about all I can do. But hey, this ought to set you to dancing if you're a believer you have the potential of moving to whole new levels of liberty in your life. But understand something, what this scripture defines is a process of moving from just a believer in Christ to a genuine, bona fide, died in the wool, disciple of Jesus Christ. And because you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, it moves you to new levels of liberty. Now, here's, here's where a lot of people get all confounded because they believe in Jesus and everything doesn't turn up roses in their life. And you know what? Everything will not always turn up roses in our life, but understand this about the word of God. If you as a believer then began to live and abide and dine upon God's word in a consistent, that's what the word continue, uh, continue in my word manner, it will move you to a position and a place of becoming a real bona fide disciple, a disciple in truth, in deed, in reality. You see, a lot of people as believers are not really disciples. They're not really following Christ because they have not begun to stand fast in the word of God. And because they haven't, they're not disciples of Jesus Christ. And because they're not disciples of Jesus Christ, they haven't moved out of the arenas of bondage to the degree that they need to and are not experiencing the new levels of liberty in their life. Everybody got, got that part, say, I got it, preacher. So we've got to stand fast in the word. If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So let me give you today's takeaway. Now, this is a long one, but I want to encourage you to write this down if at all possible. Uh, and, and you know what? You could use your iPhone, or I, and you could just take a picture of it and then take it home. See, there's all kinds of ways to, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And here it is, a steady diet of God's word in the believer's life develops a spiritual stability that, turn, that, that in turn develops a true disciple who then enjoys new levels of spiritual liberty. You know what all that is? Is Pastor Sam's paraphrase of John 8, 31 and 32. A steady diet of God's word uh, in the believer's life develops a spiritual stability. You see, it just happens. That's what happens. You, let me just pause. If you're not spiritually stable, it's because you're, you don't have a steady diet and consumption and adherence to God's word in your life. Hello? Is anybody here? Could I, could, can we talk for just a moment? But pastor, this and that, stop, stop. 
Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set, set you free. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. This is a real secret. This is a real key to, to, to positioning ourselves and stationing ourselves and positioning our lives in new levels of liberty in our life. So, hey, get this down, a steady diet. In fact, the Bible talks in many different places about the word of God being like spiritual substance and spiritual nourishment in our lives. And so when we began to partake of it, and, and you can tell me, I've not missed too many meals in my, in my days, right? I, I know about nourishment. I know about, now, I have a, you know, I, I'm on the seafood diet. I seafood, and I got to have some. Uh, you know, I'm not that, I'm not that disciplined, like, you know, like my friend Jerry is. But I'll tell you, I'm becoming more and more disciplined in the steady diet of God's Word. In fact, Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. He said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, little Josiah is actually not, he's not even in the nursery this morning. His, his Grammy Beebs has him there, uh, uh, Grammy Bebo. She holding Josiah. One thing I learned about Josiah really quick is he desires the sincere milk. I mean, there's nothing wrong with his appetite. In fact, now he's starting to feed him a little bit and he just sees food and he starts going like, I think Clay or Clint said at the prayer breakfast, she said, Lord Breath, you're starving that baby. He's starving to death. You need to give that boy some, some biscuits and gravy or something because there's nothing wrong with his appetite. Uh, and you know what? That's the way God wants us to be as newborn babes. You see, when you get born again and you become a believer, you've got to begin to feed on the word of God in your life and it will begin to nourish you spiritually. Peter said, if you'll just desire it as a newborn babe, you'll begin to grow thereby. You'll spiritually begin to grow. But hey, let me build on that just a thought. In fact, if you want to turn over to Hebrews chapter 5, I challenge you. I challenge you to beat me. Oh, you can't do it. I'm already there. Hebrews chapter 5, verse really 12 through 14, says this about feeding and having a diet on God's word. It says in verse 12, and this sadly is the case with a lot of Christians. He says, for, by, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Everybody go, <laughs> But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What's he saying there? As we grow spiritually as a newborn baby and we get the sincere milk of the word, just like Josiah, we've got to begin to build on our diet. You know, when Josiah is 16, he can't be just uh, dining on the sincere milk. I mean, that's just, that just makes no sense. Give the boy some taters and grits and, and, and you know, good old home cooking. He needs, he needs, some, he needs some groceries, man. Uh, and you know what? That's the way it is as a Christian. As we began to grow, Paul said here, pardon me, the writer of Hebrews said here, you know, by now, you should be a teacher. 
But because you didn't, and this is Pastor Sam's paraphrase, but because you didn't feed on God's word and grow spiritually, you just, hey, you, you, it's like starting over. You gotta, you're just a little baby. You shouldn't be a baby. You should be a teacher, but you're still a baby. And let me just say, if we don't continually grow and expand our diet in God's word and begin to feed upon the word of God daily in greater depths and greater measure, we will not grow spiritually. And we will not move into new levels of liberty. Are you with me? Say amen. So with that in mind, let me just give you some thoughts today to spur you, to spark you, to take your stand and begin to develop a steady diet plan of God's word in your life. I want to kind of de- describe someone who, who's on a steady diet of God's word in their life. There's some characteristics. There's some, there's some personality traits that begins to be built in their lives uh, that moves them from level to level in their walk with God. Uh, and, and that is this, the first, the first characteristic of someone with a good steady diet of the word of God in their life, and that it is this, they have a desire for God's word in their life. There's a hunger in their heart for more of God. You know, David was that way. In fact, he said, one thing I've desired of the Lord and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. God had got down in his heart and there was some spiritual hunger and some spiritual desire. In fact, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Now, when you begin to desire the Lord and, and those who are on a steady diet of the word, they don't read the Bible because they have to. They read the Bible because they get to. They study the word of God because they've come to the place where they realize how valuable and important and how dynamic and how uh, uh, strengthening it is to their life. In fact, at the close of this service, I'm going to give you 10 things that, that when you just begin to dine and feed on God's word, what will begin to happen in your life. But those who have a steady diet, they have a desire, they have a hunger. Psalm 1 is my, one of my favorite psalms, and, and I, I would hope yours as well. He talks about, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight, that is his desire, his longing, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates how often? Somebody say day and night. Give somebody a little Holy Ghost slap or something. Say it's day and night. It it can't just be day. It's got to consume our lives. Now, come on now. The word of God has got to come to the place. You know, when you desire something, did you know what? I could eat bluebell ice cream in the morning if I wanted to. Because if you just talk about it, I start desiring it. I, I have pretty much eradicated that out of my diet, pretty much. But if you throw it at me, my resistance is very slim. So we just don't walk down that aisle in the grocery store. But it ought to be that way with our spiritual life. And those who have a steady diet of God's word in their life, the desire for God's word begins to grow and grow. Let me just say, if your desire for God's word is not growing, that means you're not eating enough and you're not partaking enough. Because I want to tell you, when you start partaking of God's word, it starts developing more of a desire in your heart. And here he said, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinner, nor seated in the seat of the scornful, but his 
delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And here's some benefit. I love this. It says this. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither. I love this part. And whatsoever he does, he prospers. Whatever he does, he prospers. So those who are partaking of a steady diet, a morning and night. You know, you know I'd starve to death on one meal a day. And let me tell you, you're starving yourself spiritually if you think you can hit it once or twice on Sunday in the month or once or twice on a Wednesday. You're star- and you think that's enough, you're starving yourself spiritually. Hello? It's true. Look at your neighbor and say, he's telling the truth. That's the truth. Amen? So we don't need to do that. So there's a desire. Those who who have come and developed a steady diet of God's word, the desire for God's word is growing. Number two, there's developed a dedication to the word of God. They get dedicated. And in fact, Paul in his his, uh, instruction to his son in the faith, Timothy, he really wanted him to get this one down. In fact, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want to show you this. These passages of Scripture, take a right, 1 Timothy, I went too far, here we go. Uh, the Bible teaches uh, us that we've got to be dedicated to God's Word in such a way that it consumes our life. Look what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. He says, till I come, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, he says, till I come, give attention to reading to exhortation and to doctrine. In other words, develop some dedication in this. This ought to be the focus of your life. He goes on to say, and don't neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you through prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. And we could go back and, and believe that he's referring the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon his life. And look at verse 15. He said, meditate on these things. Talking about reading, exhortation, and doctrine in the flow of the Spirit of God in your life. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. (gasps) Now that's dedication. Some of you, like my friend Jerry, in his physical, uh, all his life, he's given himself to being physically and spiritually healthy. He's dedicated. And when he gets on to something, he's on to it. And he's dedicated. And that's the way it's got to be. Those who have a steady diet of God's word in their life, they have a desire, but they, it moves them to a real dedication. And Paul tells Timothy, give yourself entirely to these things that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine that is teaching. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. And so understand something. The dedication that we've got to develop is so important to God's word. It's not his. It can't be hit and miss. You don't hit and miss with your diet of food, do you? You don't wake up, you know, you know, three or four days down the road. Go, Gosh, I forgot to eat all week. What, what has happened to me? Man, I bet it's, next, it's Sunday already. I better go, go to lunch. No, no. You, every day there's a hunger and a desire that creeps up in you. It's a natural thing that begins to say, ooh, ugga, ugga, chugga, chugga. I need... Uh, chicken. I need something in my body. Uh, it's just, it's that hunger and you're dedicated to, to, to satisfying that desire, right? Amen. 
He also told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, he said this, he said, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. Everyone say study. Oh, don't we parents teach our kids to study? You gotta be dedicated to study. You can't just, uh, uh, you know, fudge your way. You can't read the cliff notes and get through this thing. You've got to study. Somebody say study. It's a dedication type word, study. I'm dedicated to get this, this info and this information and this inspiration deep within my life. You see, people who are standing fast in the word of God have a steady diet of God's word in their, in their life. They have a desire to grow spiritually and a desire for God's word and it develops a dedication in their life. And then as that all begins to happen, number three, there develops a real dependence upon God's word. Everyone say dependence. You know, I've heard people say that, you know, the the world looks at the church and and they say, oh, you, you religious people. That's just a crutch. That Bible you read, it's just a crutch. You're leaning upon on the Bible. It's just a crutch in your life. Could I tell you, the Bible to me is much more than a crutch. It's the total foundation on which I build my life. It is what I am totally dependent upon. My eternity is dependent upon the validity of the word of God. I'm building my life upon what does the Bible say? In fact, what did Jesus say in Matthew 7? He said, in Matthew 7, verse 24, I'll try to kind of hit the highlights. He said, you know, those who hear my word and do it. See, there's a lot of hearers. The Bible says there's some people that are hearers only. They just hear it, but they don't respond. They don't apply. Jesus said, for those who hear my word and obey it and begin to follow after it, He said, it's like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. In other words, someone who builds builds a life of God's word in their life and has a steady diet of the word of God coming in and, and then a dedication not only to study it but to obey it in their life, it produces a firm foundation where you can, let me just say, you can rely upon the word of God. And those who have a steady diet of God's word, they began to believe it more and more and they began to trust the word of God more and more. And guess what happens when you do that? The Bible says faith comes by hearing the word of God. So when you began to build a life upon the word of God and you have a steady diet of God's word in your life, it builds a foundation of strength and stability in your life and you can build your life upon the word of God. If you don't, Jesus said in Matthew 7, you'd be like the foolish man who built his house upon the sands and the storms came and the winds blew and the house fell and great was the fall of it. But if you build your life upon the word of God and the rock, guess what? When the storms of life come and they will, you will stand strong in the middle of the storms of life amen it's a steady diet those who develop a steady diet of God's word in their life what happens to them they develop a steady diet of God's word Uh, it develops spiritual stability in their life and in turn develops a true disciple who enjoys new levels of liberty in their life and so I came to tell you 
that if you're going to stand fast, you've got to have a steady diet of God's Word in your life. You've got to be someone who desires the Word of God. Someone who begins to be dedicated to the Word of God. And someone who begins to depend upon God's Word in their life for every area of their life. Amen? Now, let me close. I want to give you ten things that you will find in God's Word in your life when you begin to lean upon and rely upon and, and, and feed upon God's Word on a daily basis in your life. Number one, as we've already learned, there's freedom in the Word. There's spiritual freedom in the Word. John chapter 8. If you continue in my Word, you're my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will what? It will set you free. How many of you believe that today? I said, how many of you believe that today? There's freedom in the Word of God. But we've got to feast on God's Word. We've got to hunger after God's Word. We've got to continue in the Word of God in our life. Number two, there's not only a, a freedom, but there's a great wisdom that is developed in the Word of God. You know, let me show you this one. Uh, uh, I could have showed you this earlier, but let me show it to you. Proverbs chapter 2. Let me just turn over there. Hope you have your Bible. See, we're talking about standing on the Word of God. We've got to have the Word of God. We've got to look it up. Proverbs chapter 2. Look, listen to this. This has a whole lot to do with that desire point that we were talking about. Proverbs 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my what? Words. And treasure my commandments within you. That has a lot to do with desire and hunger, right? So that you incline your ear to wisdom. See, there's wisdom in the word. Look at tell somebody there's wisdom in the word. If you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. His word will bring you great wisdom in your life. You know, I tell people all the time when they come all confounded and in a quandary and all you know, upheaved in life. And, and they, oh, pastor, what do I do? I ask them a couple of questions to kind of get to the point. The first one is, have you been praying about this? And they look at you funny and, and well, and then I say, have you been reading your Bible? Well, uh, preacher, pastor, uh, you know, my Bible, oh man, you got me there. Uh, listen, there's great wisdom in the word of God. There's freedom, there's wisdom. It's in the Bible. If you have your Bible, say it's in the Bible. It's right here. It's right here. Could I tell you that everything you need that pertains to life and God, it's, it's right here. Amen? You just, got, you just got to start hungering and thirsting and put your nose in the book. Oh, but preacher, I don't have time to read my Bible. You just give me some little pill. Give me a quick... Pentecostal slap or something and get me through this. No, I, well, I might give you a Pentecostal slap, but it, it just make me feel better. You know, in my old age, you know, sometimes a spirit of slap comes on me. I used to be a little more merciful. I just want to say, you just step up here. Let me help you. Let me lay hands on you suddenly. It's in the book. Amen. See, there's freedom in the Word. There's uh, uh, wisdom in the Word. And as we read from Psalm 1, there's stability in the Word. 
Your life becomes stable. Oh, preacher, life is up and down, this way and that. Have you been reading your Bible lately? I think I'll just say that every time somebody has a problem. Have you been reading your Bible lately? Because in the Word of God, according to Psalm 1, uh, guess what? He will be like a tree planted by rivers of water, which yields its fruit in its season. It leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he does prosper. There's stability. He'll be like a man who built his house upon the rock that, over, that, that stands in the face of great adversity in life. And, hey, and I'm not a prophet of doom or gloom, but could I tell you, adversity is not over for you. We live in a world that is full of adversity. In fact, many times God allows us to go through adversity to test our faith. Therefore, we must have our life built upon what thus saith the Lord. Amen. There's stability in the word. Number four, there's protection in the word. When you build a life on the word, there's great protection. Uh, Psalm 119 is one of the, in fact, how many verses? 150 verses, I can't remember. Psalm 119, nearly every verse in Psalm 119, whether you realize it or not, has to do either directly or indirectly with God's word. Did you know that? One of the, the, I think the longest chapter in the Bible, man, somebody test me on this. I think I'm right. I'm just drawing this up. I didn't think through this enough to, to, to be, look real sharp here. But I think the longest chapter in the Bible, nearly every verse, there's only one or two verses that, you, that don't have a direct or an indirect reference to the Word of God in, their, in, in a believer's life. And so in Psalm 119, he says this, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. David knew the value of God's word in his life, that it protected him from the influence of the flesh and of the world. The word of God has a great protective quality in our life to keep us from stepping off out into the spirit of foolishness and the spirit of stupid come upon us and we go back into that yoke of bondage like Paul told the Galatians. You foolish Galatians, what are you doing? You began in the spirit and you began in grace and now you're back under the legalism of the law and the influence of the flesh in your life. The word of God will protect you. You see in the word, there's great freedom, there's great wisdom, there's great stability, there's great protection. And number five, there's prosperity. God wants to prosper you. Not just financially, but spiritually to give you good success. That Psalm 1, whatsoever he doeth, he prospers. The prosperity of God. How many of you appreciate what God's blessed you with? Did you know he wants to do more in your life? He wants to bless you in greater measure than ever before. But the prosperity comes to those who build their lives on God's word. The prosperity, not just financially, but spiritually. There's prosperity. Whatsoever he doeth, he prospers. I love this one. There's healing in the word. Amen? There's great healing in God's word. In fact, it says this in Psalm 107, verse 20. It says, he sent his word and healed them. Somebody say, he sent his word. Come on, say, he sent his word and healed them. 
now, now, do you want me to be theological? Do you want me to tear this apart a little bit? You want me to get down to the nitty gritty? Let me just say it. His word has healing virtue in your life. Pastor, pastor, pray for me. Hey, I'll pray for you, but let me tell you something. Do your part and get in the book and let the word of God begin to be a medicine and a healing and a health to your soul and your body and your spirit. Woo, somebody say amen. You start quoting the scripture. You start reading the Bible. You start studying the word. I'm telling you, spiritual, physical, financial health and prosperity will begin to come upon your life. I speak it over you. It's the truth. I believe it and that settles it. Amen. He sent his word and he healed them. There's healing in the word. Amen? There's strength in the word. Spiritual strength. In fact, Psalm 119, verse 28, strengthen me according to your word. Strengthen me according and in concert and under the influence of your word. Spiritual strength comes when we dine upon God's word. Amen. There's strength in the word. I love this one. There's cleansing in the word. In fact, one of my early memory verses Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By keeping it or by taking heed according to the word of God. How can a young man cleanse his way? By keeping it according to the word of God. My goodness, what a benefit we have by building our lives and living a life that is standing fast in God's word. There's cleansing. Number nine, there's revival. I love this one. Somebody say revival. Yeah, I don't know about you, but old school, we used to have revival. Man, we're having a revival meeting. And we'd call in the revivalists, and we'd preach us and, and, and bless us and minister to us, and we'd get revived spiritually. And that's wonderful. That's great. I believe in all that. But I want to tell you, the word of God is what the real revival is because it says in Psalm 119, 107, uh, David said, Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. The Word of God will revive you spiritually. Pastor, I'm sick. Pastor, I'm this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm waning spiritually. Get your nose in the book. Hey, I'll, I'll give you the Pentecostal slap if you want me to, but then get your nose in the book and start praying and start seeking God's Word and start letting the medicine of God's Word and, and, and the ministry of God's Word and the reviving capacity, the life-giving flow of the Word of God began to wash over your spirit. In fact, the Bible says that the Word of God will wash over you and revive you. And let me just say today, can, can we be honest? Some of us need a little revival meeting. You know, to, in the morning, there's a revival meeting. In the morning, before you go to work, you get up, get your Bible, and meet with God, and he'll revive you. It's time to go to revival meeting. Have revival every morning, every, every evening. Let the word of the Lord revive you, amen. And then finally, and I know you'll like this one, there's direction in the word. God will give you direction in your life. 
There's wisdom, yes, but there's, there's direction. God will speak direction in your life. In fact, David said this in Psalm 119, 105. He said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God will direct your path. Amen. We can't always go on what we think. We can't always go on what we feel. We've got to go on what does the Bible say. If you live life based on your feelings, you'll be saved one day and lost the next. Now, come on now. We need direction from God's word. We need revelation from God's word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And then Psalm 119, 133, he said, direct my steps by your word. There's direction. We've got to take our stand in the Word of God. The old hymn writer said, Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Let's stand together this morning. God is here in this place. He's omniscient. He's everywhere, but he's right, that means he's right here too. It's kind of funny. Some people, oh, preacher down that church. God's really down there. Well, he's down here too. Oh, the presence of the Lord's down there. No, he's everywhere. Amen. He's right here. And you know what he's wanting to do? with you and for you in the last half of 2012. You see, we just start, it's, it's halftime.